Good morning. This is Frank Sparacino, SVP of Investor Relations and Corporate Development for Capital Alaska Healthcare. As we start, I want to make clear that certain statements we make during this call about the company's future plans, prospects, and expectations constitute forward-looking statements for purposes of the safe harbor provisions of the Private Securities Litigation Reform Act of 1995. Actual results may differ materially from those indicated by these forward-looking statements, which should be considered in conjunction with the cautionary statements contained in our earnings release and in our most recent annual report on Form 10-K filed on March 10, 2023, which is available under the heading Financial Reports in the Investors section of our website tabularasahealthcare.com. While we may elect to update such forward-looking statements at some point in the future, we specifically disclaim any obligation to do so, even if our estimates change. Therefore, you should not rely on these forward-looking statements as representing our views as of any date subsequent to today. When we discuss our results on this call, unless indicated otherwise, we are referring to results from continuing operations. For additional information on our results from discontinued operations, please refer to the financial statements contained in the earnings release issued on May 8, 2023, and the notes to the financial statements indicated in our 10-K for 2022. Also, during this call, we will be referring to certain financial measures not prepared in accordance with GAAP. A reconciliation of those non-GAAP financial measures to the most directly comparable GAAP measure is available in the press release of our first quarter 2023 earnings and also available under the heading press releases in the newsroom section of our website. A recording of this call is accessible through a link on the investor relations page of our website. I will now turn the call over to Brian Adams, President and CEO of Tabula Rasa Healthcare. Thanks, Frank. Good morning and thank you all for joining us. As you saw from our release, we've had a great start to 2023. Top line, we had revenue growth of 32% and adjusted EBITDA growth of 337% compared to first quarter 2022. These numbers represent one of the highest levels of organic growth we have generated as a public company. With the divestitures of DOSNI and Symphony RX completed during the first quarter of 2023 behind us, we are focused on executing on our longer-term strategic objectives and continuing to drive profitable growth and improved cash flow over the coming years. I want to take a few minutes to talk about how we're going to continue to do that with an update on three specific areas. One, the PACE market. Two, our commercial sales organization. And then three, a sales update. I'll start with PACE, our primary market today. PACE is arguably the most successful example of value-based care and has demonstrated material reductions in hospitalization rates, ER utilization, and healthcare costs compared to those individuals in long-term care settings. Recently, Senator Ron Wyden, chairman of the Senate Finance Committee, was quoted saying, dollar for dollar, PACE is the best care possible. In late March, I attended the National PACE Association Spring Policy Forum with some of our teams. One statistic that stood out to me was that the PACE model has been around for roughly 50 years. Over that time frame, approximately 150 PACE organizations have opened. Now, over the next 24 months, we estimate that another 50 PACE organizations will open, representing the foundation for accelerated growth. 
Given that there are more than 2 million individuals currently eligible to participate in states offering PACE, and penetration is less than 5%, this expansion is desperately needed to support these vulnerable seniors. Also, in March of this year, a key advisory committee to Health and Human Services Secretary Javier Becerra endorsed the expansion of PACE for older adults residing in rural areas. As part of the report by the National Advisory Committee on Rural Health and Human Services, eight policy recommendations were delivered. A few of these include supporting a PACE pilot focused on Medicare-only beneficiaries, which comprise less than 1% of PACE participants nationwide today, administrative flexibility to support multiple PACE applications simultaneously and allow PACE sites to have an expedited approval process for expansion to new service areas, and partnerships with critical access hospitals to leverage existing facilities. In comparison to urban areas, rural areas have a higher prevalence of adults with multiple chronic conditions. 21% or 2.6 million dual eligible individuals live in rural areas. Advancing health equity to focus on underserved populations is a key CMS strategic objective. We are working with a number of PACE centers serving rural America today. In summary, we at Tabula Rasa believe there is significant opportunity to not only drive continued organic revenue growth, but to make a profoundly positive impact on the lives of the individual eligible for this service, especially in rural areas of this country. Now on to priority number two, our commercial sales organization. During our last call, I talked about our efforts to build a best-in-class commercial sales organization for profitable, scalable growth inside and outside of PACE. To support those efforts, we've implemented a Voice of the Customer program in 2023 to capture client feedback, to enhance our support, product roadmap, and ultimately our client relationships and retention. Also during the first quarter, we held our 2023 sales kickoff meeting which allowed our team members to gather and participate in a number of sessions covering areas such as strategy, product training, sales, and account planning, and social media. The meeting was key to establishing alignment between all parties of Tabula Rasa that touch our go-to-market approach. These initiatives, along with our renewed focus on our core value-based care markets, have contributed to a number of notable wins. I'd like to highlight a couple as part of the sales update. We had a recent win with a seven-figure expansion contract with a, an existing PACE client in Virginia. This client adopted our PBM and pharmacy services, allowing us to displace their legacy provider, and is a great example of our continued cross-selling efforts. We continue to see significant opportunities drive the greater adoption of our solutions in PACE, and our focus on these efforts has resulted in the average revenue per PACE participant increasing 22% versus a year ago to $523. Another recent win from the quarter was a contract secured outside of PACE with a Medicare-focused provider group serving rural America for our risk adjustment services, which represents one of our strongest growth areas inside and outside of PACE. This further supports our strategy to target senior-focused at-risk providers. In addition, we continue to see growth in our backlog during the quarter, which increased more than $6 million to $84 million on a sequential basis versus the end of 2022. 
We've previously highlighted the growing presence of for-profit operators such as Wellbe Health, a longtime TRHD partner, as a positive influence on the awareness and future growth of PACE. This trend is evident in our backlog as for-profit operators represented 38% of pharmacy services backlog at the end of the quarter, and pharmacy services accounts for the majority of our overall backlog. I'm proud of the work our sales and account management teams are doing. They've built great relationships with our existing clients and ensuring prospects understand the value of our solutions. I will now turn the call over to Tom to review our financial performance. Tom? Thank you, Brian, and good morning, everyone. I will focus my comments on three areas. First quarter results, key operational metrics, and our updated 2023 guidance. First quarter revenue of 88.3 million increased 32% versus the year ago quarter. Comprised of medication revenue growth of 35% and technology enabled solutions revenue growth of 21%. Medication revenue growth was primarily attributable to continued strong year over year pace participant growth and higher revenue per pace participant as seen in the operational metrics disclosed in our earnings press release. Technology-enabled solutions growth was led by our PBM and risk adjustment services. Our revenue outperformance during the first quarter was driven primarily by two factors, higher than expected drug price inflation and an increase in pharmacy capacity due to staffing and automation, which will be important in meeting customer demand inherent in the growth we're experiencing. Adjusted gross margin as a percentage of revenue was 24.1% for the first quarter, up 30 basis points from 23.8% a year ago. Medication adjusted gross margin of 23% increased versus 22.8% a year ago, and technology-enabled solutions gross margin of 27.9% increase versus 26.7% a year ago. Our gap net loss for the quarter of $7.1 million compares to a net loss of $20.4 million a year ago. Adjusted EBITDA of $4.7 million from continuing operations for the quarter increased from 1.1 million a year ago. A strong revenue growth combined with disciplined cost management has helped improve profitability. Our adjusted EBITDA margin for the first quarter was 5.4%, which represented a nearly 380 basis point improvement versus a year ago and 40 basis points on a sequential basis versus the fourth quarter of 2022. With respect to our key operational metrics, there are three numbers I would like to highlight. PACE medication census, PACE average revenue per participant per month for medication, and PACE average revenue per participant per month for technology-enabled solutions. Our PACE medication census during the first quarter of 2023 increased 18% versus a year ago, about two-thirds of which was driven by same-center participant growth. 
Our pace average revenue per participant per month for medication increased 14% to $1,110 during the first quarter of 2023. Our PACE technology-enabled solutions census increased 8% a year ago, and our PACE average revenue per participant per month for technology-enabled solutions increased 10% to $98 during the first quarter of 2023. Our PACE average revenue per participant per month in aggregate increased 22% to $523 during the first quarter of 2023. As Brian indicated, the biggest driver of that growth was cross-selling pharmacy services to our technology-enabled solutions clients. As a reminder, last quarter we noted that if a client used all of our PACE services, we would expect the average revenue per PACE participants per month to approximate $1,200. As of the first quarter of 2023, we have more than 20% of our participants at or above this figure. Turning to guidance, we are introducing second quarter 2023 guidance, and we are increasing the previously provided full year 2023 revenue and adjusted EBITDA guidance. We feel comfortable increasing our guidance due to our renewed focus and the consistent execution of our financial and strategic objectives we demonstrated over the last four quarters. Second quarter revenue from continuing operations of 88 million to 90 million represents growth of 23% versus a year ago at the midpoint of the range. Adjusted EBITDA of $3.5 million to $4.5 million represents growth of 94% versus a year ago at the midpoint. Second quarter revenue guidance reflects the offboarding of a client who joined us temporarily in the second half of 2022 while they transitioned to a long-planned in-house pharmacy solution. And, as I highlighted during our last earnings call, the second quarter adjusted EBITDA is negatively impacted by annual salary increases versus the first quarter of 2023. For the full year 2023, revenue from continuing operations of 355 million to 365 million represents growth of 20% at the midpoint. Adjusted EBITDA of 19 million to 22 million represents growth of 120% at the midpoint and an adjusted EBITDA margin of 5.7% which compares with 3.1% for 2022. As I noted during our last earnings call, we expect revenue growth comparisons in the first half of the year to be higher than the second half due to the onboarding of a significant number of new participants in the second half of 2022. I will now turn the call back to Brian for some concluding remarks. Thanks, Tom, for those updates. I'm excited by our strong start to 2023 and the commitment from our 700-plus team members that is enabling Tabula Rasta to be successful. Thank you for your dedication. As we look ahead to the remainder of 2023, we're focused on building a strong foundation to drive future growth and profitability to create long-term value. With that, I will turn the call over to the operator for Q&A. Operator? 
And as we queue up the first caller, uh, I did want to clarify one comment first. Uh, I said for-profit PACE operators represent 38% of our PACE pharmacy backlog. Uh, it's actually 54%, uh, and that's more than double what it was last year at this time. So with that, why don't we open up the call? Operator? Thank you. As a reminder, to ask a question, please press star 1-1 on your telephone and wait for your name to be announced. To withdraw your question, please press star 1-1 again. Our first question comes from Jared Hayes with William Blair & Company. You may proceed. Yeah, uh, good morning. This is Jared. I'm for Ryan Daniels. Thanks for taking our questions. Uh, Brian, you talked a little bit about the commercial sales organization, and I think you mentioned the voice of the customer program as a way to sort of better incorporate client feedback uh, to enhance retention and, and overall customer relationships. Just curious if there's kind of any particular learnings you've had through that program uh, or data points you could share about you know, maybe some successes with the commercial sales organization or maybe some continued opportunities for improvement. Jared, great, great question, and uh, thank you for that. Uh, you know, we recently launched that program. We've only had uh, one event so far. We have another one planned for next month on the West Coast uh, with a number of our customers. Uh, the feedback's been, been very positive so far. I think there's a, a real appreciation for uh, our ability to listen and take customer feedback in and, and include that as part of our our roadmap going forward. What we're trying to really identify are you know, common themes throughout our customers uh, so that we can focus our resources around those, uh, those things that are going to be the most impactful for our clients and provide the most value. It's also giving us an opportunity to share with them where we are making investments. And um, so it's it's been a, a really um, a good dialogue so far. Great. That's, uh, that's great to hear. Uh, and then I will just ask a, a follow-up on the Q2 guidance. Um, and Tom, I think you mentioned there's, there's a little bit of sequential growth impact coming from the offboarding of a temporary client. I'm sort of curious, how unique is that relationship where you have a, a pharmacy client that's sort of temporary in nature? Um, and then you know, just any way, uh, that you could size that impact, uh, you know, on a sort of a, a Q over Q basis uh, relative to that temporary client? And then do you think there's opportunities to sort of eventually bring them back uh, over time as kind of a, a full-service customer? Yeah, that's a great question. This is Brian. I'll take the first part, and then I'll turn it over to Tom. Uh, this is a pretty unique scenario uh, in that uh, this client uh, reached out to us last year uh, with a pretty immediate need, uh, we were able to onboard the customer within 60 days, which is, you know, a, a fantastic effort by our team here, and I think shows the scalability of, of our platform. Um, the the client again is, is pretty unique in that it's part of a larger health system, has multiple lines of business. Uh, we don't see this anywhere else, uh, really, in the pace market today. They do have an in-house pharmacy. Uh, in many cases over the years where uh, clients have had an in-house pharmacy or part of a system that has an in-house pharmacy, uh, we have successfully been able to, um, to onboard those, those clients to our pharmacy services. So I think longer term, we look at this as a real opportunity for us. Um, 
and um, you know we hope to uh, to retain the business at some point. But right now, um, you know, this is the um, the desire of the, the the program today, which is really taking um, you know a, a broader approach uh, as they look at at their whole book of business, which again is is much larger than just pace. So I don't see this at all as indicative of anything uh, in the market. Our our backlog remains extremely healthy. Um, even with programs that uh, arguably could have an in-house pharmacy. Yeah, and to your question about sizing it, um, depending on how quickly they roll off in second quarter, you're probably looking at a million and a half to two and a half million dollar headwind. So that kind of explains why revenue at the midpoint is flattish to first quarter. Understood. Appreciate all the color guys, and I'll hop back in the queue. Thanks. And, and while we're um, just waiting for the next person to queue up, I did want to uh, just round out one of the uh, one comment related to uh, the voice of the customer. I think one of the things that we're hearing, and there's a real desire for, is for our um, our pharmacy to have an agnostic uh, EMR API, right? So we want to be able to work with any EMR out there and provide our solutions uh, through that uh, from a medication management perspective. Uh, and so that's an area where you know, we will continue to make an investment and uh, there's a, a real desire from the customers to see that happen. Thank you. Our next question comes from Craig Jones with Stiefel. You may proceed. Thank you. Um, so I guess just to quick follow up the last question. So if it's a one and a half and two and a half million dollar headwind in two Q, is it a further headwind in the third quarter as it will have completely rolled off at that point? It is a slightly less uh, headwind in the third quarter. Some of it will depend on how much, if all, comes off in the second quarter, in which case it wouldn't be a headwind at all. Um, if it is, it could bleed into July a little bit, but not of the magnitude um, that it would impact the second quarter. Got it. Okay. Um, and then just looking at the um, the services gross margin. So, you know, that line used to be, you know, prior to all these acquisitions that you made that you've not divested, used to be, it looks like, in the 60% range, and now it's sort of mid-20s. Is there an opportunity to, to get that higher now that you sort of clean that that revenue lineup and sort of how how high could it potentially go? So, uh, Greg, I'll I'll let Tom talk about the specifics, but I I think there is an opportunity to drive that number higher. Uh, we're making a lot of investments and in refocusing our resources on you know really driving efficiencies. Uh, you know, at the same time trying to um, focus on how we contain our cost structure. Uh, more closely, so um, I would say more broadly, there's there's absolutely um, you know an opportunity and a desire from the business to to see that increase. Yeah, you know, in terms of some of the specifics, um, what's weighing down that margin a bit is external costs we've incurred to you know, consultants and, and and others to integrate multiple platforms. So we talked about how over the last six months, since Brian assumed his CEO role, we have focused on efficiencies in our operations, on reducing 
operating expenses, and we've had some success there. But in the background, we're also focusing on optimizing um, our, our platform, our, our product offerings, so that they meet the needs of our customers. And it became clear to us a little bit of spend was necessary to integrate multiple acquired platforms that perhaps hadn't been integrated to the satisfaction of some of our clients. So if you can get everybody on one platform, it's just a lot more efficient. That lets us get back to those higher margins. Um, and some of these businesses do retain those higher margins. But some of them were working to get them there. Okay, got it. Thank you. Um, and then, <clears throat> so like it looks like the um, the PNPM growth sequentially uh, from the fourth quarter was was pretty solid at you know mid single digits. Is that is that a normal seasonality we should expect just with like January first pricing? Yeah, pricing tends to increase in the first quarter, not always in January. Last year came a little later in the first quarter. <clears throat> um, which is part of the reason why you didn't get such a big bump in first quarter of last year. But it did happen this year. That is the biggest driver. Uh, so you won't see that sequential bump quarter over quarter, but you will probably see low to mid single digits each quarter as okay. contracts uh, evolve. Got it. Okay. And then... Um, and it looks like if we calculate you know, the non-PACE revenue, um, it looks like that declined about 12% sequentially. Is anything that to call out there that drove that? And then how should we think about that for the balance of the year? I don't. I don't think there's anything significant going on there. It's, it's just maybe the ratio from uh, uh, of the PACE to the non-PACE, but I don't think there's anything significant going on there. Okay, sounds good. That's all for me. Thanks. Thank you. Our next question comes from Stephanie Davis with SVB Securities. You may proceed. Hey, folks. Thanks for taking my question, and congrats on the continued momentum here. Now, Brian, you have had a bunch of hires. You officially have the CEO seat, so you've been hired yourself and you've divested a bunch of assets. What are the biggest go-forward changes we should think about from a strategy perspective now that kind of your your house cleanup is behind you? Stephanie, thanks for the question. Um, you know, I, I, there's not gonna be a huge shift in what we've been communicating over the past couple quarters, right? Uh, we've talked about refocusing around pace, and focusing around the solutions that are going to be relevant to adjacent markets serving similar demographics, uh, strengthening our commercial orientation and making some investments to ensure that uh, the offerings that we have are scalable and deliver high value to our clients. Um, we're also committed to improving profitability and investing in efficiencies and ultimately managing our cost structure more closely. So you know, those are some of the bigger priorities for us. You know, I'm looking forward to over the coming quarters being able to provide some more specificity from a, you know, a go-to-market perspective. We're right now launching strategic planning for the year uh, and for the for the longer term as well. So, uh, you know, I think coming into into the next quarter's earnings, we'll be able to share a bit more 
in terms of uh, some of those priorities. But uh, the, the management team is uh, very focused on uh, the areas that I was just mentioning. Well, let me maybe ask that in a little bit of a different way. How are you spending the majority of your time? So, um, you know, there's uh, kind of a, a split of the time. Um, you know, one of those is with customers today, and there's been um, a good bit of time um, listening, right? So it's, uh, it's listening to customers, also listening to uh, the employee base uh, to understand where they're at as, as we continue to build out uh, and refocus around a new uh, vision and a new mission for the company. They're not necessarily new, but they're uh, recapped, right, uh, in terms of uh, what we want to focus on. And, you know, our focus as a business, you know, the why we're here is to ultimately provide simplified and individualized care to improve the health of those that we serve. Uh, and so we want to make sure that all of our solutions uh, can fit squarely within that. Uh, and so we're, um, you know, we're making sure that, you know, the team understands that that's the focus of the business, uh, aligning their individual goals uh, with the corporate goals associated with that mission. Uh, and, you know, as I was describing, also listening to the customers so we can make sure that, you know, our strategic priorities um, are, are aligned um, so that uh, we can provide significant value there. Um, so. Uh, there's uh, there's a lot of work being done and uh, a lot of a lot of listening as well. All right, one last quick one for me. We've talked about the stuff in your control. Let's talk about the stuff completely out of your control. <laughs> Pace census growth. Um, it has been accelerating sequentially, and it looks like it's doing pretty well quarter to date. Can you just touch on what's going on with that market? How sustainable this acceleration is, and and anything else we should think of there. <clears throat> Yeah, we're we're pretty excited about the the growth rate within the the pace census, especially within our our customer base today. Um, you know, as as I was mentioning in my prepared remarks, I was at the NPA Spring Policy Conference just a little while ago, uh, and the one stat uh, again that stood out was that you know there are 50 pace operators set to open their doors over the next 24 months. So. I think that's indicative of the investment in the space, the understanding and awareness that this is a model uh, that can make a really meaningful difference for uh, those vulnerable seniors, specifically dual eligibles, which represent you know, roughly 12 million lives across the U.S. that um, you know, we need to serve better. Uh, and so I think that that investment itself uh, that we're seeing is going to yield some really positive things for Tabula Rasa as we continue to support our customers so that they can scale and grow and support those patients even better. That is going well. I'll hop back in the queue. Thanks, guys. All right. Thanks, Stephanie. Thank you. Our next question comes from Jessica Tassan with Piper Sandler. You may proceed. Hi, thanks so much for the question and congrats um, on the results. I was just hoping you could offer maybe some color on the back half launches to so the product mix between medication and tech-enabled solutions. I'm, I'm going to let Tom uh, dive in on that. This is Brian. Uh, go ahead, Tom. On the product mix for the second half of the year, you mean the, the relative growth rates? Yeah, yeah, that would be helpful. Thank you. Yeah, I think, you know, 
we grew medication pretty significantly this quarter over the same quarter of last year, in part because first quarter of last year was a weak quarter. There were a number of things going on there that, that kind of held that down a bit. Um, going forward, I think you'll see something much more in line with our recent traditional averages. So if we forecast the midpoint of growth for the year at 20%, I think you'll see medication revenue grow a little bit above that, maybe low 20s. And you'll see the technology-enabled solutions grow kind of mid-teens, some of them a little higher than mid-teens, but, but on average low to mid-teens. But because the medication revenue is, you know, 80% of the total, the, the, the total will average out around 20% growth. Got it. And then I'm just wondering, is there any kind of cost or margin dilution associated with these um, these launches? It doesn't look like it, but I guess just how should we think about the counter balance of kind of a mature contract terminating versus a bunch of new contracts ramping? Um, thanks. I didn't hear the first part of your question, Stephanie. Uh, yeah, so just is there any cost or kind of margin dilution associated with the new PACE um, customer launches in the back half of the year? It doesn't appear that way from your guidance, but just how should we think about um, the termination of an older or mature contract versus, um, you know, the ramp of several new ones? Yeah, there's, there's typically very little, if any, integration cost. Occasionally, um, someone coming on for tech-enabled solutions will need a migration or installation, but even those tend to not be terribly significant in terms of cost. Okay, great. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. And as a reminder, to ask a question, you'll need to press star 1-1 on your telephone. Our next question comes from Bill Sutherland with the Benchmark Company. You may proceed. Oh, thanks, and uh, congrats on a good quarter, guys. Um, Brian, I'm curious if there's any updates on your initiatives in the adjacent markets. Sure, thanks. <clears throat> thanks, Bill, for the question. <clears throat> I did mention in my prepared remarks that uh, we did have a win uh, in the um, non-PACE market. Uh, it's a, a provider focused on uh, the rural Space, um, and focus primarily on primary care and, and delivering primary care to Medicare beneficiaries. Uh, it's not clinic-based, as you might expect, uh, given the, the rural focus. Um, it's, a, it's an early win. I think it's a sign of some success, and I, I think you're going to hear more, uh, more wins like that in the future as that continues to be uh, an area of focus for the company. Um, I would continue to um, to send the message that you know we are leveraging existing solutions that we built uh, within the pace market. So this is not requiring significant investment to target some of these adjacent markets. Got it. And the uh, the ill health relationship is there expansion potential? Yeah, uh, with Oak Street, you know, things remain very strong. Uh, they are um, starting to expand into the PACE market, so we're, we're hopeful that we'll be able to support them with that as well. Great. Um, 
last one um, it, in your discussions with the PACE um, organizations, Brian, did, did the Medicaid redetermination issue come up and how, how, how are they thinking about it? Yeah, it, it really has not been um, an area of focus, Bill, to be honest with you. Oh, good. Okay. That's it for me. Thanks, guys. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Our next question comes from David Grossman with Stiefel. You may proceed. Uh, thanks. Uh, good morning. Uh, you know, I, I hopped on a little bit late, so you know, I apologize if this has been asked, but, uh, you know, maybe you could talk for a minute about, you know, the, the penetration rates of PACE as a, as a program and, and any things that, that you may see on the horizon, either structural or regulatory, or things that you're doing for that matter that, that may, you know, kind of result in those penetration rates going up? Hey, David, good question. This is Brian. Uh, one of the things that I did talk about uh, was the, the relative growth of the PACE operators that's expected over the next couple years. Um, and we're going from about 150 PACE programs um, that took 50 years to get operational um, to close to probably 200 over the next uh, 24 months. So you know, I think that's indicative of the interest and awareness <clears throat> in the space, but you do highlight one of the, uh, the areas that, um, you know, I think that we're focused on uh, very acutely, which is the fact that uh, the PACE program, which supports primarily dual eligibles, is less than 5% penetrated within the markets and service areas uh, that it exists today. Um, and so, you know, the fact that there is more for-profit investment in the space right now, uh, about 54% of our PACE pharmacy backlog uh, is represented by, by for-profit providers, which is more than double what it was a year ago. I think it's also a, a pretty positive sign uh, that we're going to continue to see uh, a, an even uh, enhanced level of investment in the space. And there's a lot of regulations right now uh, that are proposed that support the model. Uh, there's a lot of awareness at the government, both federal and state levels, uh, that are supportive of the program and the expansion of the program. Um, you know, I'd call out Florida in particular. There's been quite a bit of expansion in the state of Florida recently. Um, and so, I think that's the more macro view. What what can we do as an organization? Um, you know, ultimately we can continue to support our our pace um, pace operators to the best of uh, our ability, so that we can ensure that they're prepared to scale and are not wasting precious resources uh, in other areas of their business. Um, and so, you know, it's incumbent upon us to to make sure that we're delivering really high value uh, solutions. Uh, but I think that what we're seeing is the set of a foundation that can support, you know, significant expansion going forward. Got it. And and you just said, so you're opening, it sounds like 50 new centers over the next 24 months. So of those 50 centers, are, are you involved in all of that expansion or is that just a market statement? That, that's more market today, but I would tell you that we are involved with with the majority of those. Okay, and you know, you, you do disclose a backlog number, and I'm wondering if you could give us a sense of 
how we should think about the rollout of that backlog now that, you know, I, I think in the past you had given a number, but I'm just curious whether that's changed at all now that, you know, the business has evolved quite a bit over the last 12 months. So just curious of that, I think it was an $84 million number, um, how we should expect that to roll out over the next several quarters. Yeah, so the the immediate impact is, is pretty minimal, um, I would say, because most of these programs that we're quoting in our backlog are startups. Uh, so as they onboard uh, census, which is actually happening at a much more rapid rate with some of these for-profit providers. So what I would tell you, and this is really anecdotal today, is that uh, I would anticipate that the onboarding and ramp of these customers uh, that are in our backlog today, given the uh, penetration of, of for-profits, uh, is going to happen at a much uh, quicker rate. In, in the past, it's taken you know, anywhere between 24 to 36 months to get the full, uh, full ramp and capacity. Uh, I do believe that um, we're going to see that happen uh, more quickly going forward. Okay, and then just uh, one last question, and it's really just on better understanding what impact pricing um, is you know, has on your revenue growth, or what it will have, or you expect it to have in this year, and and how that may contrast, you know, with prior years. Is it pretty much consistent with prior years, or are we getting a little bit more of a lift with, you know, higher drug prices or whatever other inflationary dynamics are in your model? I'll let Tom take that one. Yeah, I mean, you have to break it down into two elements of it, right? There's the external drug price inflation, but then there's the impact of recontracting and CPI inflators, um, et cetera, that are built into contracts. Drug price inflation is probably, you know, mid-single digits impact to our revenue and our PMPM. Um, for example, if you take the beat for, for um, first quarter over guidance, you know, about two-thirds of that $5 million was drug pricing, happening quicker than we thought. But another just under a million dollars of it was the impact of new contract pricing, where Pricing has stepped up over prior contracts, um, and a little bit of it was due to slightly higher census growth. You don't see the census growth so obviously because you also had that customer who was spinning off, and so the totals are marginally um, higher than December, but there are actually quite a lot more ins than you typically expect in the first quarter, and that drove the beat a little bit. And that's likely to persist the rest of the year. I think you see, you know, four, five, six percent impact of drug price inflation carrying through. Most of that's a pass through, but there is some margin on it. Does that answer your question, David? Yeah, yeah. And just on the contract turnover, what, what impact do you think that has for the year? I don't know that we've disclosed it for the year. Um, can tell you, as I mentioned in first quarter, it was a little over a million, or roughly a million dollars. Right. Okay. Great. Thank you.
Thank you. This concludes the co- today's conference call. Thank you for participating. You may now disconnect.